Welcome to Test Don't Guess, the podcast created for unlicensed health practitioners who love chatting about functional lab testing. I'm Jensen, your host. I'm a functional nutritional therapy practitioner, developer of the HTMA analysis app, and creator of the Instant HTMA Professional course. But here, I'm just your curious colleague who wants to know all about the functional lab tests that you're using, how you learn to properly interpret them, and how incorporating labs has impacted your confidence and your practice. In this season of Test Don't Guess, we're going to talk with practitioners, course creators, and lab experts to help you navigate the world of functional testing, and I am super glad you're here. Remember, this is a podcast intended for learning purposes only, and it does not provide professional legal or medical advice. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm so excited to talk with you. (laughs) Thank you. That's pretty awesome. You have an absolutely incredible story. Um, I just can't wait to dive into it further. I just wanted to, first of all, thank you for being vulnerable and being willing to share your story. Um, When I posted about talking with you in the Test Don't Guest Facebook group, the response I got, because I asked if anybody had any specific questions, and the response Mm -hmm. I got was, I mean, I had so many comments and that's why I emailed you and I was like, okay, we have a lot more we need to add to this. <laughs> and so, um, I, th- I mean, I think that's fantastic. So I guess let's just go ahead and jump right in. Um, can you okay. tell me a little bit about yourself and what led you into functional medicine? Sure. So, um, I actually grew up in Arizona and, um, married pretty young. My husband was getting his PhD and supported him all the way through that. So we went to Illinois for nine years and um, had three kids there. And then um, his career took a change, but his training was in breast cancer research. And so he has a PhD in organic chemistry with a focus on using um, medicinal properties to um, help treat cancer, breast cancer specifically. Wow. And he went into um, oil and gas. And so uh, because the market just kind of tanked in the the year it was. And so we moved down to um, Texas for his new job and um, our kids were pretty young. So I started homeschooling them. And so, you know, I always had kind of a um, inquisitive mind and really just wanted to dig into things and learn more. And so I was learning with my kids as I was teaching them. And then uh, as they got a little bit older, I started to kind of, you know, start thinking about the future. What did I want to do after they graduated? And so I actually went back to school in 2016 and I decided that I wanted to do something that wasn't going to be filled with fluff. I wanted to get really focused. So I chose the Nutritional Therapy Association because they, um, they had a program that was just what I needed. And it was really focused and it was um, tailored to, you know, holistic uh, approaches in nutrition. So that's the, the route I went. And I, um, from there, I did the, that program. And then I added restorative wellness and uh, solutions and two levels of that. So I have some training in how to do the um, functional testing. And okay. um, then, yeah, that's how it, it all started. Great, great. So obviously you have an incredible story about fighting breast cancer without chemo or radiation. Um, so I, I'd, I'd love to just dive into that further. Can you tell me a little bit more? I know because this podcast is really focused around the functional lab side of everything. Can you tell me a little bit about the tests that you ran and maybe that like when you were diagnosed, how did that all go? Yes. Sure. 
So I never expect to get the, to get the diagnosis. No one ever does, right? Um, I actually felt the lump for a while, but it wasn't anything like they told me. It was, you know, you hear it's going to be like this rock. It's going to be hard. It wasn't anything like that. It was actually, it felt like cauliflower under the skin. And um, so I just sort of monitored it and ignored it for a while. And then um, a and friend when of mine. Was this? Sorry to interrupt you. When was this? Um, so let's see, I had surgery. I did have surgery, but no chemical treatments um, in 2020. The diagnosis, no, sorry. Diagnosis came in 2020. 2020 the surgery was the year after 2021 but the beginning of the feeling of it was probably it's hard to really pin it down but it was probably around 2000 maybe 16 17 around the time I actually started my nutrition training okay that's what I was wondering is um when did you go through the NTA program yeah in in 2016 17 graduated in June 2017 Okay. okay great so you're already on this holistic path then you got this mm-hmm. really jarring diagnosis, but yeah. you felt like you had the, you know, the tools to fight it. Well, I was still, of course, frightened. Um, I had actually, the funny thing is the year uh, 2020, of course, it was that, you know, strange year for everybody. Um, but I had gone with a friend who needed help um, with her treatment for Lyme to Mexico. So I went to a treatment center with her where they actually treated cancer and excuse me. Um, she was there for her Lyme treatment, but was there for two weeks and needed someone with her and none of her local friends could go. So here I was all expenses paid to Mexico, (laughs) Santa center for two weeks. And I actually learned a lot there that kind of helped me, um, figure things out later but I still hadn't been diagnosed, came home. And then it was that fall that I, because of going with her, I started thinking, you know what, I, maybe I just need to get this checked out, clear my mind and just get it checked out. Um, they wouldn't do just an ultrasound though. Cause I hadn't had, I only had one mammogram ever and they, it had not been in that same year. So they required that I go and get um, a mammogram. And I, I fought it for a while, but then I was like, no, I just got, I got to get this done. So I relented, I got that done. And then when it came back, we need a biopsy. I'm like, okay, maybe no big deal because you know, most of those come back negative anyway. Mm -hmm. So I went to that, but it was like three weeks later. So all the while my mind's, you know, just spinning and trying to figure out what's going on. But when I got that fine, the, the actual diagnosis that just rocked my world because it was not anything I expected. And I ended up crying for at least a full day, two days uh, or so, because I just, you kind of lose yourself for Mm. a little bit. I mean, not everybody maybe, but for me, I was just sort of like, how could I had been eating healthy for over 10 years? Right. And so um, I uh, just really was stressed by that, but that's how it all unfolded. Wow. Wow. And so once you had the diagnosis and um, you decided you wanted to start treating it more from a natural perspective, did you go back to Mexico? No. So um, that was a rather expensive um, trip for her. And the cancer treatment would have been easily 30,000 for two weeks of treatment. And I was, my husband's just like, we can do it if you really think that's the way. And I was like, well, let's 
let me look into it because I was told that was the one thing that really set me on the right path is when they gave me the paper diagnosis, the nurse who told me didn't say anything about grade or, um, you know, stage or anything. She just said, you have cancer. And she said it with reluctance, but she didn't give me any verbal information. So when I reached out to a functional medicine doc, who's a chiropractor in our area, um, I was, you know, ver you know, upset. He, he could tell by my, you know, how I was speaking. He said, whoa, whoa, calm down. Just tell me what you know. Tell me the facts. And so I got out the paper and I started reading verbatim what I saw. And I said, well, it says grade one. And he said, stop there. Grade one means it's not aggressive. You have time. And when he said that everything changed, oh. I just went from being in panic to, okay, I can figure this out. I've got time. Mm -hmm. So I immediately, the day I was diagnosed, I cut out sugar because I knew that was just, I mean, natural forms and everything else. And I had only been eating like maple syrup and honey, a little here and there, but fruit, things like that. You um, cut out fruit I, too? Yeah. For the time being, cause I wanted to make sure I just got, you know, my blood sugar balance as well as I could. And it, it was pretty good anyway, but I just wanted to be sure. Um, but after he told me that I just started looking into all the, um, testing options that I had, um, through my restorative wellness training, um, through functional docs around me, things like that. And that's when I got started. Okay. So what tests did you end up running? Uh, so I ran the GI map, um, did that one actually for the restorative wellness um, class that I was in and um, kind of got a baseline for what my GI map, you know, my gut health looked like. Um, I ran the MRT to find out food sensitivities. I needed to know if there were things that were driving inflammation because inflammation helps cancer out. Um, I ran a Dutch test. Um, and that one I ran because mine was a hormone driven cancer. And I wanted to find out what level of hormone did I have out of balance or what, what was going on. And, um, so that one was really helpful. And then, um, I ran the oat test, the organic acid test as well. Okay. And so that told me some other important information. Okay. Was there anything, did you, did you end up having to do like a gut protocol first or how did you kind of structure your approach with all of those tests? So based off the testing, I knew that, um, I had some toxins I had to deal with. I had some, um, hormone, uh, pathways that needed some assistance, basically detoxing, um, and foods that I was sensitive to. So I left certain foods out. Um, and then my GI map showed that I actually had low, uh, immune function and, um, I wanted to make sure my immune system was able to handle, you know, this cancer onslaught I was facing. And so, um, I was able to kind of pinpoint based off those tests, what protocol I needed to build. Okay, great. That's amazing that you had access to all of that. And yeah. did you end up um, interpreting them yourself or did you work with other practitioners or your functional medicine doctor? How did that work? So the Dutch is the only one at the time I couldn't interpret. Um, I didn't have the training for that one yet, but, um, uh, I also I forgot to mention earlier, I did, um, metabolic, um, blood panels because when I did the restorative wellness training, I did levels one and three, and that was at the last, um, year that they let us skip uh, oh, level okay. two. 
So I did not have the hormone training at the time. So I had to rely on someone else. And there was a, <clears throat> an NTP who was gracious enough to um, let me run the Dutch test through her. And then she uh, actually interpreted it for me and she didn't charge me. I was so blessed by that really, because, you know, when you have cancer, you really have a lot of fees for everything around you. And some of it's not covered by insurance and all of it, if you don't go um, conventional. And so that little bit of, uh, you know, help was <laughs> quite a, quite a nice thing, but she, she did the Dutch for me. Um, I'm in the middle of a Dutch boot camp where I'm learning how to interpret the Dutch right now. And I'm curious mm. just because of understanding the estrogen metabolism pathways. Now the red mm. pathway, the four OH was your showing up as a lot of estrogen going down that four OH pathway. Yeah. So that's where I was really heavy on, um, what was going on the, <clears throat> you know, the pie chart that they show you, I've since done some classes in the Dutch, but the pie chart, you want um, the majority of it to be green so mm -hmm. that it's the healthy, safe way to detox. And then the rest of it split equally, but in small amounts and the um, 2OH and the 4OH. And for me, I was um, shutting, I guess, shunting everything, majority of it down that um, bad pathway. And I had kind of known for a little while that um, that was an issue because I had fibroids uh, for years and ended up having to have surgery mm -hmm. for that. So I knew I was estrogen dominant, but no one ever told me how to fix it. And then I just kind of got on with life and forgot to go back. Um, but definitely the Dutch pointed that out. Wow. Okay. And um, did you have like fibrocystic breasts for at any other point in your life? Yeah. So, you know, I had just basic, um, not, they weren't even nodules. There was just sort of that, you know, lumpy kind of tissue, but it was nothing ever really, um, consistent. Uh, and then, um, lipomas were in running my family on my, um, mom's side. So I had one of those and actually at my first mammogram, the um, doctor wanted to do an ultrasound right afterwards. And this was before my functional training. And so I said, okay, let's go do the ultrasound. So right after the mammogram, like same appointment, they took me into a room and did the ultrasound and it was the opposite breast. It was the left breast this time. And they um, looked through the, well, actually the, um, the gentleman, the doctor came in to interpret it. And he, he said, you know what, what I was concerned about actually turns out to be a lipoma. And it, it was something I had noticed in my you know, breast and thought, oh, what is that? But it was kind of soft and squishy. It was just a little different than the other soft and squishy areas. Mm -hmm. And so when this one showed up on, on the right side, it was um, closer to the nipple. And it was, like I said, more like cauliflower under the skin. Mm -hmm. So it was denser, but it was not rock hard. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I was not alarmed for so long. Mm -hmm. And then, so you said you had surgery to remove the lump and then yes. you moved forward with just supplements and protocols after that. Is that right? Yeah. So the surgery I had, um, I actually went through all, um, a full year of high dose vitamin C, mistletoe, um, various supplements, a very low, uh, carb diet, um, my numbers kept improving. In fact, when they tried to run stem cell tests on me to find out what the, my uh, cancer stem cell load was, they couldn't find any cancer cells. 
And so it was like, I was keeping it contained and that was huge. Um, they knew it was in one lymph node. And um, so, you know, you don't want it to spread beyond that. So when I had the surgery, they took the one lymph node and sadly nine little ones around it because they wanted to make sure they were all clear. Um, and then the lump itself, but they left all the tissue uh, otherwise. So I, it was not a full mastectomy. It was just a lumpectomy. But um, after that, it was sort of um, a relief. And, but I didn't let my guard down. I still continued with my protocols and um, I did some more testing to find out if anything else had changed. So I did um, another GI map and I did... Um, I didn't do the Dutch again. That one, I still want to do another to see where I'm at because I've been detoxing for another year. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, I did, did the GI a, map uh, come back looking better. Did you have better immune function at that point? It did. Yeah, it, it showed that things had improved. My uh, microbiome was not terrible the first round, but I had some opportunistic bacteria that were a little high. Mm -hmm. And then on the second um, go around the... Um, uh, Flora was pretty normal and the opportunistic bugs had come um, down, not quite in range, but less high. Mm -hmm. um, and then the gut uh, function was actually improving. Okay. So th yeah, that was huge. Wow. Great. Mm -hmm. And then did you retest the oat and the MRT as well? So the MRT I did, and only because I have autoimmune as well. And so, cause in class they told us, you know, for the average um, client, it's not worth retesting the MRT because it's, you know, just one time is good enough, but if they have autoimmune, you might want to consider it. So I did run an MRT on myself a second time, and that one showed a slight change in my um, food sensitivities. So I avoided those foods. Um, I also was continually checking my um, blood work because of my training with the RWS and the level three um, blood chemistry. I was watching that, uh, every time my doctor would order the blood test, she always sent me the results. Cause I told her about my training and she respected it and thought that was awesome. That's great. And so she, um, would send me the results and we would talk it over like colleagues rather than her, you know, telling me this is what it is. I was right there, you know, pointing things out and stuff like that. So oh, it was great. That's amazing. Isn't it so empowering to be able to read your own blood chemistry, like <laughs> out is. of all things, it's just the coolest thing. I actually was just going over my daughters the other day. And I'm, I'm just amazed at the fact that I understand what all of these words mean now. And that I've gone yeah. my entire life, just them running these panels and then telling you you're normal and you know, you don't feel normal, but you don't know what any of that means. And so I just think it's the most empowering feeling to be able to have that conversation with the doctor and say, you know, I, I don't see this being, or this might be in the normal level, but it's not in the optimal range. And how do we get right. it there and that kind of thing? What were you really paying attention to in the blood chemistry specifically was like what was showing up? Yeah. So you want to look for trends in um, blood chemistry anyway, but when you have um, cancer, you want to look at your insulin levels, your mm -hmm. copper, uh, D-dimer, so thickness, stickiness of the blood, um, your iron levels, because iron and copper both feed cancer. Mm -hmm. um, you want to check for um, your homocysteine levels and uh, C-reactive protein. And so I was, you know, watching all of those really closely, making sure that my immune function also showed up well, because I had the uh, CBC with differential. So I was checking to make sure my platelets and everything was good and my neutrophils and so forth. 
And um, the doctor was really awesome because she would teach me a little bit more about stuff in the blood that I didn't learn in the RWS class. And so, um, you know, there's ratios with the immune function that you need to look at and um, to see if, if cancer is kind of trying to push the boundaries, sort of to speak. Mm. So it was, it was interesting, but yeah, those are pretty much the basic um, numbers I was watching. Okay. Okay. When you say you were checking copper, were you checking ceruloplasmin too? She watched that and the um, basic copper as well. Okay. And in fact, my most recent blood work showed that my uh, copper level was uh, technically deficient. And I, for a moment was kind of like, okay, is this okay? Cause copper is important for immune system. Very and so. she, she actually said, no, this is great. And I was like, okay. And she <laughs> said, well, when you have cancer and a history of it, you don't want cancer again. You got to keep it down for a little while longer and then you can let it go back to normal. I was like, okay. Hmm. <laughs> so did, um, did iodine or copper play a part in your treatment at all? Um, just avoiding copper did. Um, okay. that copper one, and foods. Uh, yeah. Well, I didn't worry about foods because yeah. I wanted to make sure I had a little support, but, um, I, yeah, I did avoid, um, the additional like supplement forms. Sure. So if I got a multivitamin, um, I, you know, would look through biotics and get their iron and copper free. Right. Um, but I tried to do most things with food and, um, the supplements I did use were things that were actively known to have an anti-cancer benefit like berberine and curcumin mm -hmm. and, um, things like that, uh, mm -hmm. skull cap. Um, but iodine, no iodine. I actually didn't worry about so much because, um, I have Hashimoto's and, um, so I couldn't actively add it in, but I did eat seaweed and I made seaweed, uh, organic seaweed, uh, kind of a regular daily, um, part of my diet. Oh, great. Can you tell me a little bit more about your diet? So you said you were low carb and definitely avoiding all types of sugar. What mm -hmm. else did it entail? So low carb for me, um, might be extremely low carb for many. Uh, cause I just told someone recently who told me they were diagnosed with cancer. I'm like, all right, here's what you got to do. Um, my functional doctor, she worked with, uh, Dr. Nisha Winters, who is world renowned for her work in integrative oncology. And, um, they are trained by her that 25 grams or less per day. Okay. Keep so it essentially at in ketosis. Below. Yeah. Now, so I was checking my ketones, um, every day and I was never in a dangerous state. I always was right around zero point. Um, it was like five to maybe one or so, uh, it never got to the, the dangerous level where I would, you know, she was never alarmed anyway, because mm -hmm. she asked regularly what my, uh, ketones were. And then, um, I avoided fruit because fruit, uh, fructose, although it's, um, you know, a natural form of sugar, it can be more insulin heavy for people, some people. And I tend to, I've noticed that my, uh, side of the, my mom's side of the family specifically has, um, a little bit more of a weight challenge. And I myself have never been as heavy as them, but I have noticed that if I am too relaxed about fruit, I tend to gain a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I just sort of cut those out and, you know, waited if I had anything, it was a, a granny Smith apple, um, because it's, it's much lower in sugar. 
And then um, I focused on um, bright colors, lots of vegetables. Um, I stayed away from starchy things. So I didn't really even have any uh, beans or legumes. Um, I did nuts and seeds and um, organic meats. Um, and then just sort of kept a, a pretty balanced diet with, uh, you know, your plate. Mine was at least half, if not more full with um, salad or some kind of vegetable mm -hmm. and then the meat with that. Yeah. Was it hard to stay with it or did you feel pretty motivated throughout? I was motivated because I wanted to kick this thing to the curb. I didn't want to do chemo. I had family members who went through um, cancer and they had chemo and radiation and all but one of them died. Oh. And uh, one was my grandmother with breast cancer. And that, you know, I was like, I'm not going to be like her. She had a double mastectomy and, you know, all the horrible treatments that a lot of women go through and um, it didn't work and it killed her anyway. And my dad had brain cancer and my um, aunt had on uh, my mom's side had um, thyroid cancer. And so um, it's, it's difficult when you kind of look at it from the outside and thinking, well, sticking to a diet, that's got to be tricky. And, but when you have your life in your hands, yeah. you do what you have to. And if you're really focused and motivated, you can do just about anything. Yeah. So how has your diet changed now? Are you still um, as strict? So I am still pretty strict about what I eat. My eating window is the same as um, before when I was doing um, the active cancer journey, the same doctor who told me about all the blood work. She said, um, don't eat for at least 13 hours a day. You got to have that time away from food. So your body can just, you know, keep the insulin balanced. So I still, to this day, don't eat until noon. Um, okay. I might, you know, have... Uh, something light at noon and then um, maybe in the afternoon or evening um, dinner and then maybe a little snack or something by seven o'clock and then I'm done. Um, so in terms of specific foods, it's still pretty much the same. Um, it's a little different though when that the cancer, the tumor's gone, you've got good news and all that. Um, I did kind of let my guard down in terms of some of the stuff I was having. So, you know, a piece of gluten-free bread here or there, um, some yogurt with a little bit of um, maybe organic jam stirred into it, that kind of thing. And that little bit of relaxation allowed some we uh, weight to creep back on because I had lost about um, 15 pounds during my cancer journey. And uh, so a little bit of that came back, but um, I'm working on it now to do a detox again to get rid of most of it. Okay. Okay. How was your approach taken by your family and your medical team? It sounds like your doctor was amazing <laughs> and really worked with you. Uh, but how did your family take all of this? Well, my husband supported me hundred percent. He, he knew that this is you know, what I do. And so he was there, he, you know, helped support me in everything that I needed, whether it was a doctor's appointment or buying supplements or uh, buying the next high dose vitamin C uh, round because uh, insurance doesn't cover that. And, was that intravenous um, or was that supplemental like um, so oral, I, I guess? So I started with intravenous, but um, it became too painful because I was doing, according to my doctor again, um, 85 grams 
in um, as, as short a time as I could handle it. And I, the last appointment I went to in 2020, it was early December, my uh, arm that they had put the um, needle in had swelled up and had been aching during the infusion. And because of that, I ended up getting a port. So I still have it to this day. It's in my um, chest up here, but um, it's under the skin and you don't really notice it, but um, occasionally I still go in and get infusions and I just have them use that because then I can have high dose vitamin C and it doesn't hurt. You don't even feel it when it goes through this thing. Um, but now um, after talking to some other uh, functional uh, health practitioners, um, I have 50 grams in one hour. Um, you can't do high dose vitamin C orally because um, vitamin C is, um, it, the uh, molecule looks like sugar and to cancer that just, you know, it's not enough. When you have it in the high dose, like 85, 50, 50 to 85 grams or so in a short amount of time, especially on a fasted stomach, the cells just cancer cells take it in because they're hungry and they mm -hmm. take it in thinking it's sugar and it kills them. So, um, yeah, you can't take in enough orally for that effect. And the other reason you don't want vitamin C orally when you have cancer is it's an, um, it, it does the same thing as like vitamin E it's a antioxidant, which helps cancer out when you're fighting cancer. So I did not take any vitamin E. I didn't take any vitamin C. Um, I took zinc, but um, the other things like the vitamin C and vitamin E, there were a couple others that I didn't take uh, specifically because you don't wanna give cancer that little foothold. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, it's great that your, that your husband was so supportive and that you had a good team that helped you with all of this. So, yeah, I mean, it's just amazing to hear this whole story. How are you feeling about everything now? I mean, this wasn't too long ago. I didn't realize no. it was so recent when we were originally scheduling this. Yeah. My, um, one year anniversary of surgery is this October 8th and, um, I'm feeling really great. I, I continue to get my blood work checked. I'm watching numbers, making sure that, um, the uh, markers that we talked about earlier, plus there's some cancer markers that they look at. Uh, CA is one. There's another one. I forget the, there's letters in front of it. Um, but doctors will run those as kind of a, um, just a, a watchful, you know, um, point. But I get those checked regularly. I still work with that same doctor. Um, I still get the vitamin C infusions and um, I have mistletoe and I still, uh, do that. I try to do it quarterly, um, as a way to kind of kickstart my immune system. Um, it's just an injection you do, uh, under the skin, but you have to have a prescription for it. And it, what does there's that do? amazing. Well, that's the awesome thing about it. Mistletoe has so much, um, science and, and stuff behind it for cancer that it's amazing. America doesn't have more use of it. Only certain functional doctors are trained in it. Um, and most of them are trained under Dr. Nisha Winters, but in Europe, they use mistletoe all the time in like every cancer case, because it is so effective. Some people, when they get to stage four and they are like told, go home and, you know, put your affairs in order, 
um, they find someone, a doctor who will put them on mistletoe and they actually survive cancer because of mistletoe. Wow. And nothing else worked. So mistletoe, what it does is it, um, it sort of like changes your immune system. It, it stimulates it, but it stimulates it in the right way and makes your immune system go on the attack for cancer cells. And it, it's amazing stuff and it doesn't hurt. Um, in fact, what you do is when you inject it, you want, um, nothing happens at first, but you want to do it right under the skin. And then you watch in about six to 12 hours, you'll get a little like welt, not a mosquito bite, but more like a red area. And it kind of gets a little itchy and that's what you want. That means it's working. Oh, wow. Mm. Man, why are we not using these treatments in the States? It's just absolutely ridiculous to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm so glad that you found that and you were able to get the prescription for it and use it and continue to use it. So yeah, definitely really great. So now that you're cancer free, can you tell me a little bit more about your practice and, um, are you, are you focusing your niche on helping people that are, you know, recently diagnosed? Sure. So, um, I, kept working while I was um, going through this treatment because I felt so good. I never felt ill. Wow. Um, So I was continuing (laughs) to take clients. And then um, after my treatment was over, I did decide to um, switch my focus. I had been kind of just generally on gut health and, you know, symptom-based issues. But now I have such a heart for helping other people who are newly diagnosed or um, afraid of a diagnosis or want to prevent a recurrence because there is so much power we have in our hands. If we just know what to do Mm -hmm. and I just, I want to help people. So, um, that's, I still take other people who need general help with gut health or hormone help, things like that. But, um, I really want to help those people who feel so helpless or lost and give them some direction and, um, just be there to support them, whether they're going through chemo or whether they want to do it naturally, Um, I just want to be there to help them. So that's what my practice is focused on. Yeah, that's great. So do you work with most people virtually or is it something that you do in person? Um, about 90% of the people I work with is, um, through zoom or, um, another um, website, but it's, it's all virtual. And then the few that I see in, um, in person are, um, pretty local. And so far, um, they're only like, locals who have the general, you know, malaise and kind of things like that. But Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Great. Well then where can people find you if they want to learn more or reach out to you for helping with their own journey? Sure. Um, So they can go to my website and that's wellnesswithamandak.com. I'll make sure to put everything in the show notes too. Oh, great. Thank you. Um, I'm also on um, Facebook and uh, Instagram. Um, the handles the same on, um, Instagram, the most accurate handle is uh, wellness with Amanda K underscore F N T P. Okay. And, okay. Uh, yeah, awesome. but otherwise that's where they can find me. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking time to talk with me, share your story. And I know people are going to have even more questions, so <laughs> we may have to have you back. <laughs> sure. Just let so, me know. I'm happy to help. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right, that is it for today. Thank you so much for joining. You can find me at Test Don't Guess on Instagram or testdon'tguess.org 
or you can check out the free private Facebook group called Test Don't Guess Functional Lab Chats to go ahead and continue this conversation. So until next time, always keep learning and stay curious. When someone sends me two HTMA tests and asks why they haven't seen much change, my first question is always, are you using Vicon? Vicon is the supplement company that I truly can't stop talking about inside our instant HTMA professional community, and here's why. With Vicon, you're able to customize a supplement blend based on your client's HTMA test, complete with the client's name printed right on the label. So no more generic solutions or piecing together massive, complicated, and expensive protocols. Practitioners love Vicon because it wipes out supplement fatigue, which leads to real, tangible results. And clients love it because it's so simple to take, whether they choose the powder or the pills. And most importantly, they're able to experience the magic of getting the right nutrients along with crucial cofactors for their body. All you have to do as the practitioner is choose a base formula, Customize it using over 25 different properly sourced options like extra potassium or liver support. And you can even whip up a custom prenatal or support breastfeeding moms. The possibilities are truly endless. And then just to make sure that the blend is perfect, you can always set up a quick consult with the amazing Vicon team and they are happy to help. So if you're ready to revolutionize your approach to supplementation, grab our free Vicon guide and sign up for your own free Vicon account and let them know that you heard about it from Test Don't Guess. Check out the link in the show notes to get started.